Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Live Let Thrive. This is episode seven, and we have a special guest. Yeah, yeah. Back for another episode. We actually probably our biggest podcast guest ever. If you're into Airbnb, you definitely know who this guy is. And who is he? Oh, we got Jasper from Get Paid for Your Pad. And uh, go ahead and say hello, Jasper. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh, nothing much. Uh, just um, long day of work. Ready to do some podcasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here. You're actually one of our favorite people that we always listen to on the way home, man. So it's actually great to oh, meet no you. Way. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're so we're very nervous, man. Yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> count, count to ten. A little mini minute meditation. Ah, ten. Nine. Okay, we're, we're cool. We're, we're we're back. We're back. Uh, cool. <laughs> so where are you at right now? I'm in Vegas. Las Vegas, Sin oh. City. Nice. Oh man! Next Absolutely. time you yeah. go out there, you hit me up. I'll give you an Airbnb. I got plenty of them in Vegas. Oh no way! That's right. Yeah, yeah. What? See, see, Micah does something cool. He um he has a, he owns a timeshare and he and he rents out his timeshares on Airbnb, which is pretty trippy. Yeah. Oh wow, that's interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's actually been working pretty well. I was just I ended up having a timeshare and I wanted to like, use it as an asset. And so once I started renting out my condo and my house on Airbnb, I was like, hey, we might as well use this timeshare. And uh, it's been coming kind of lucrative for me. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. It's uh, yeah. out of the box thinking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So you have a, a podcast, a little podcast of your own called um, Get Paid for Your Pad. It's a... Uh, <laughs> It's it's an awesome podcast, man. We've learned a lot from it, and that's what inspired us, you know, to start doing Airbnb. And Micah's been going full-fledged. I haven't got my Airbnb yet. I'm just doing long-term rentals right now. But um, I can't wait to dive into it, man. It sounds sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So you, you still doing Airbnb out in uh, Amsterdam? or? Well, actually, what happened in Amsterdam is that uh, Airbnb decided to enforce the local short-term regulations on its platform, which means that in Amsterdam, you can only rent out entire units for about 60 days. And uh, and that, after that, they, they block your calendar. So I actually sold my house in Amsterdam, and now I am in the process of reinvesting the money in different places around the world. So I've I've uh, I've recently uh, bought a, a penthouse in Cali in that's in Colombia and I've also bought a studio on the beach in the Philippines and now I still have a little room for for one more property so I'm kind of uh, diversifying a little bit and uh, moving my Airbnb business elsewhere to places where uh, there's uh, there's not as many regulations or where it's easier for me to do to do Airbnb so where's the the third one you're looking for I don't know. It's uh, you know I uh, I haven't decided yet. It could be it could be anywhere, but uh, you know given uh, given my budget, uh, it's probably going to be somewhere in you know a non-Western country, somewhere in maybe Asia or uh, or South America, because there the properties are just much more affordable over there. Oh okay. So like, how is the uh, like the 
Airbnb uh, market over in those areas? Like, especially I wanted to know, like, about Colombia, because that, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, what you see in those areas is that there's, you know, there's there, there's quite a lot of, uh, of tourism. There's a lot of visitors in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the Airbnb markets typically haven't been developed that well. Uh, there's not that many people doing Airbnb. And, and also, a lot of the times, the people that are doing Airbnb, they're, you know, they're not really doing a very good job at it. I mean, well, I wouldn't say very good. They wouldn't. They're not doing a very good job. I'm just saying, like, you know, there's there's def, there's definitely room for improvement. There's definitely it's easier to stand out, and uh, and really, if you really focus on, you know, trying to create the best listing possible. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's a lot easier to stand out in in those areas typically than in uh, in let's say the U.S. or Europe. Mm-hmm. And also, also I, fe- I feel like typically in uh, in those places, it's easier to sort of focus on the the high end uh, of of the market, all right? Because in a lot of these places, there's uh, there's not that much like luxury accommodation available. It tends to be very basic and and sort of standard. And so, if you're targeting, um, you know, tourists from U.S. or Europe, uh, the fact that you're, you know, you're the host as a host, you're from those countries yourself, I think uh, works in your favor. And as well as you understand better what those people are looking for in the in the Airbnb experience, so you have, a, I feel like you have a small advantage over the locals, and you target that market. Nice, nice. I was going to ask also. Um, did you always want to live life as a as a nomad? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I I remember when when I even when I was very young, let's say like uh, seven eight years old, I always had this curiosity about the world, and I also uh, I also was very curious about you know what life really was about, what what I what would become of me later, and you know I I had the role models that I had in my environment in my family where people who've all chosen sort of a you know a kind of like a the standard path of going to school going to university getting a job getting married getting children etc and living in one place and so i felt like that what i was supposed to do the same thing but then at the same time i i sort of felt deep inside of me that i didn't really want to do that I, i felt like i wanted to do something different uh, at a very young age, I was already thinking about these things, and you know, I just didn't really know what it was that I wanted to do, and I also didn't know if it was possible, um, you know, until a a pretty late age. Like it was only when I when I after I quit my job when I was like 32 years old, when I started realizing that there, you know, there's an other type of life to be lived, and it's a th- it's it's possible to do it, um, and so yeah. Yeah, you could say I, I definitely think that uh, uh, I've always been looking for freedom, just being able to go wherever I want and you know do the things I want to do and hang out with the people I, I want to hang out with, and um, and so it's not surprising that uh, it, it you know it turned out this way. I think. Right, right. I noticed. Um, I went to Amsterdam a few years back. We, I did a little Euro trip with some friends. And um, just, I mean, it was just like for a week. We went to London a couple of days, Amsterdam, and then Frankfurt. And we stayed at some hostels. This was like, this was like seven years ago. So it was, it was before Airbnb was huge. And um, I just remember like meeting the, the European kids and some, some, some kids from, um, from Amsterdam. And they just, 
it was a part of their life to go just go backpack and travel throughout Europe, you know, throughout the summers. And I thought that was pretty cool. It's, it's you know, I think mm-hmm. maybe they're a little bit more in, uh, adventurous than us. Well, I think it also has to do with the fact that, you know, if you compare Europe to the U.S., I mean, the, it's it's a fairly similar um, sort of uh, uh, landmass. It's it's also a fairly similar the population. And but the only difference is that we have countries and you guys have states. Right, right. And, and and so within the countries, there's there's more of a diversity in terms of culture, right? And so, you know, in Europe, it's you, you travel around Europe and suddenly you've been to like 25 countries and you've witnessed, let's say, five or six very distinct type of cultures. You know, like in Sweden yeah. is very different than than Portugal. Portugal is very different than Greece, and Greece is very different than. Then let's say Poland or or Switzerland, right? And then you have England and Ireland, which are kind of like distinct as well, and Iceland. So they, they, everyone has their kind of like their their own little culture, and so you know you you kind of uh, you kind of get get used to being in different cultures, and it uh, I think it brings up a, a curiosity also about the rest of the world. Whereas I think if you're in the U.S then you, you have to travel pretty far, you know, to find a different culture. I mean, obviously, you can go to Mexico and the countries in South America and, and uh, Middle America, um, Central America, I guess you call it, and then the Caribbean. But within the U.S., I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of space. <laughs> and, you know, even though you're crossing states, and there are subtle differences, I think, between, the, you know, the different places in the U.S., overall, it's, you know, it's fairly fairly the same culture i'd say correct me if i'm wrong no no yeah i think you're right um plus um it's i hear that it's super cheap to fly to hop flights in um in europe as opposed to here in the united states yeah yeah we have a lot of uh, low cost airlines um so there's easyjet there's ryanair uh there's a bunch of other ones and so you're right you can uh you can you can travel very uh, you know on the budget, and but there's also this program that a lot of young people use, where you can get like a, a ticket for the real for the railways, and you can basically buy a ticket, uh, which is then valid for like two or three months or so. You can travel, you know, a certain amount of legs, and I don't know the, the exact details of it, but all I know is like when you use that pass, you can pretty much travel around the whole of Europe. Um, and, and not spent, uh, and, and only spent like a few hundred euros or so. Sweet. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. Hey, one thing you said, you said you quit your job when you were 32, right? Uh, I wanted to know, like, because I'm, I'm almost to that virgin point, man. I'm 28, but I'm, like, to that point where I want to be full-time for myself. What were some of the fears you had, and, like, what made you take that leap? Well, the biggest fear that I had was that I I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't know how long I'd be able to survive for my savings, and I didn't know if I was gonna be able to find a different way to make money, other than going back to the trading world. Mm-hmm. And so, because I was a trader, right? I was working in the finance, financial uh, markets. So, I, I figured, uh, you know, if I if I'm just gonna travel for a few years and I don't find a way to make money, I'll have to go back to the finance world. But then I'm gonna be making a much lower salary, and it's gonna be much more challenging to, you know, to find a good job because the, I feel, you know, that's kind of how it works in finance. Like especially when you're a trader, like I was, if you quit for a while, then trading companies aren't eager to hire people who who traded for a while and then they quit. You know, they like to get people straight out of university. So, you know, I, I knew that 
if I had to go back, it would have been on like much like you know worse terms as my as my current job was, and so I think that was uh, that was kind of the fear, you know, just the fear of the unknown. Um, but uh, this, I, I guess, the strongest driver for me to make the move was that I had a bigger fear, and that fear was, you know, it's growing old, knowing that I never tried to live the life that I wanted to live. And that was scarier to me than jumping in the deep. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. What's the, um, I mean, living your your nomad life, uh, what's the craziest thing that's ever ever happened to you on your journeys? The craziest thing that's ever happened to me on my journeys? Wow, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I've been I've been on the road for seven years, and so I've you know I've experienced quite a lot. Um, I I don't know what the craziest experience was. You, you talked uh, about um, you stayed in Moscow once, and <laughs> you didn't of course you didn't speak Russian, and you were kind of just dropped off somewhere. That was that must that was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't feel like the craziest oh. moment. <laughs> That's pretty mild. <laughs> but uh, I, but I, you know, I would kind of like, uh, I, I was kind of have to think about, um, you know, what. Uh, I mean, oh, I can I can tell you one one story. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it short. But uh, I once uh, traveled to the Philippines um, with a buddy of mine, and we we took a taxi from uh, the airport to our resort but our resort was kind of far away and we arrived in the evening so it was already dark and it was so it was in the middle of nowhere and at some point we were already driving for a couple hours and the taxi driver didn't really know exactly where it was because i mean we're talking like literally in the middle of the jungle there's a small <laughs> resort on the on the coast where you know you can go ski, scuba diving there but there's there's no street lights i mean it's it's black dark oh, like wow. we, you couldn't see anything and suddenly the road kind of stopped <laughs> and uh and the taxi driver then asked us like where, where you know where's your resort and and we we're like uh we don't know like this is the name and you know uh we we were hoping that you would be able to find it, but the taxi driver was kind of lost, and and then we, you know, I literally turned on my Google Maps, but I didn't have any, I didn't have a signal, but fortunately, I somehow randomly uh, loaded up the maps when I uh, when I was still uh, at the airport when I had Wi-Fi, because you know, like when you when you load up the maps and then you lose the signal. This maps will still be there, and and the blue dot will also be there, because the blue dot is GPS that doesn't need an internet connection. Okay. So, basically, the way we ended up finding it was me just zooming into the map, and and you know trying to figure out uh, how how to get there. But uh, it it was quite it's quite a challenge with um, you know being in completely in the dark, and uh, the guy was also running out of gas, and you know it 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 was uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a <laughs> It was a bit of a of a interesting situation, but eventually we uh, we ended up making it. Um, if you want to hear another real quick story, that just came to mind. Yeah, go ahead. That was probably probably crazier than this actually. Uh, I I remember back in 2002 or something, I I took a, a bus from uh, Bangkok in Thailand to to Siem Reap in Cambodia, 
and Simrap is where the famous tourist attraction, the, the famous uh, wonder of the world, Angkor Wat, which used to be the biggest city on the, on the planet with like 20,000 inhabitants or something. We're talking like thousands of years ago. Huh. And, uh, and so we, at the, at the border in Cambodia, the, the, the van dropped us off and we were, we were then, um, we had to travel, continue our travels with some old school bus that didn't have any brakes and it also didn't have any windows. <laughs> it also didn't have a side door. Uh, but that's what, that was it. And then I realized why we why the journey was so cheap. We only paid like ten bucks or something. <laughs> yeah, no brakes. So, uh, but then there was uh, yeah there was no there was no the, the thing had no brakes. Did you have to like stick road, your feet out to stop it or something? I mean, this is a big school bus. You know? <laughs> like there's like twenty people on the bus. Oh wow! And and the guy just drove really really slow because he basically told us I mean, you know the brakes didn't work. <laughs> so we can't go too fast and then also but the bills on the road it was it was like a dirt road and it had lots of holes in there and so we couldn't grow it fast anyway and now we're like two or three hours in and then suddenly like we have to stop because there's a there's a bridge well i don't know if you can call it a bridge it's basically two iron pipes that somebody laid over like a small uh, a small creek oh wow. and then cars had to go one by one they had to go over but the, the truck got stuck like one of the wheels shit like basically slid off the of, of one of those iron um God. You know, it's, it was crazy and and so we ended up spending hours and hours waiting until some of the cambodian people got tired of it and they literally they literally pushed the truck off the bridge in order for other people to continue uh, and then we got stopped by the military. We all had to show our passports, and oh. and eventually, like we arrived in the in this village, and it was I think it, it took us like 14 hours or something to cover a distance of I think it was like two maybe 300 miles. Oh, so wow. that, that was that was quite the adventure. Wow. See, that's the one thing I love about well, just tra you know traveling differently, traveling off the map, traveling. Um, like even what Airbnb brings to it, you know, you just you're staying at people's houses, uh, people's spots around the world. And it's like, I mean, you, no one wants to hear their friends stories of, oh, we went from the airport straight. You took a taxi to our um, resort and stayed there and drank and, and then stayed on the beach and went home. I mean, that's like it's boring, you know, but even these crazy things that happen to you make uh, make the best the best stories. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. I, I also wanted to know, like, uh, how did you manage your Airbnb being so far away? Because uh, I'm actually looking into – me and my wife were just thinking the other day, like, wouldn't it be cool to just live in our condo full time and rent out our house all the time? And, like, what challenges did you have, like, kind of being remote while you're managing your Airbnb? Well, I was lucky because uh, I had a cleaning lady – that I had known for many years before I started doing Airbnb, and she was uh, she worked in hotels as well, so she she understood sort of how to uh, how to do a turnover, and uh, and she uh, was happy to not just clean my house but also to manage my my Airbnb. So she would check in the guests, she would make sure they were okay, she would show them around, and she would also be the point of contact, and so. Uh, with with her doing a, a, an extremely good job, um, I I didn't really have to do that much. I, you know, I was doing the communication, um, but but other than that, I would just let I would just send her screenshots of the reservations that I had, and 
you know, and, and just let her know when the guests were, uh, what, what time the guests were arriving. And uh, it, it was all, it was pretty smooth. Man, that's good, man. I need, I need to, that's what I'm looking for. Somebody to handle all my Airbnbs so I can be a full-time business owner like you. And what percentage, I mean, if we could ask, like, were you paying her to manage your um, your place in Amsterdam? So I was paying her a fixed amount per per sort of turnover, per check-in. Um, I believe it was 80 euros, which currently I'd say is about 90 what is it? Ninety ninety bucks or so, okay. um, which is which is quite a which is quite a lot given that if there was no complications, then it would probably take her like two or three hours. Um, but at the same time, if there was, you know, if there were any issues, then you know she had to spend time to to make sure to to solve everything. She had to be on call like kind of like twenty four hours a day, and so I made the decision to to pay her you know much better than the hotels where she was working were, were paying her because i understood that you know the it, it's it's very important to for the guests if they have an issue like somebody has to be there to solve it and that uh, that person needs to understand that it has a high priority um because uh because otherwise you know your your reviews are are not going to be very good if you have a couple bad reviews that can really hurt your uh, your Airbnb business. So um, I, I made the decision to pay her well, and and I think that paid out. Like she's she's always been very happy uh, with the work and uh, and and the amount that she got paid. And as a result, she she always went above and beyond to to make sure that uh, that everything was going well. Nice. You get what you pay for, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what, what's one of the your okay? I know you're a nomad and all, but like when you if you if you could stay at a place for an extended amount of time, like a, a month or a few months, what's your favorite spot to do that? Well, well there's a few spots around the world where I like to go back to and, and spend more time. Um, Santa Monica in, in California is a place that I really love. Um, there's a there's an island in the south of Brazil called Florianopolis. Uh, which is really amazing, and I've, I've been there like five, six, maybe seven times. Um, and then in Asia, one of my favorite uh, cities in Asia is uh, Taipei, also a place where I tend to come back to uh, quite often, maybe like once or twice a year even. Um, so I'd say, you know, those are those are a few places that I, I have spent a lot of time. I, I go back to those places. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I like to... Uh, in the, in the first couple of years, I was kind of all over the place, but recently I've slowed down the travel a little bit in, ter- in, in the sense that I would prefer to stay somewhere for at least a month, and if I can, like even like maybe two, two and a half months, um, versus just literally like being in a different spot every every week. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So do do you ever see yourself like kind of giving up that nomad life and uh, settling down with the family? <laughs> Well, that's a question that I get asked a lot, and <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't really have an answer to that. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, you can start I, a I nomad also, family, I, I guess. I, I mean, I also, <laughs> like, I, I mean, one of the things that I've uh, learned over the years is uh, that I, I tend to enjoy my life more when I sort of focus on the presence and the present and um you know not worry too much about the the future or the past 
And so I kind of like stopped thinking about, you know, what, what, what do I, what am I going to do in like two years or five years or, you know, what do I want to change? I kind of just focus on what, what am I going to do the next couple months? Yeah. Yeah. What about, okay. What your, your least favorite place on earth that you've been to or scariest place? Um, oh, that's a good question. Well, I, I remember there's only I can only think of one place where I was I really was like, okay, I, I want to get out of here. <laughs> uh, I I once went to the Canton Fair, which is uh, the world's biggest trade show, and it's a, it's a yearly event or maybe so even like multiple times a year, and it's uh, it's held in a city called Guangzhou, in China, and so I stayed in Guangzhou, China for a couple of days. And uh, I don't know. I felt a little depressed there. <laughs> it's huh. like so gray, and like the buildings are. Everything is. I don't know. There's. It's. It's very polluted. So the sky is always like dark gray yeah. because of the pollution. There's. That, it's. It's in the heart of the, the Chinese like sort of manufacturing area, and so there's there's a lot of pollution. And uh, yeah, that was definitely a place where when I left, I was like, okay, I don't think I'll ever come back here. Wow. Wow, man. Uh, I think I listened to a podcast today, and the guy mentioned your name. Are you going to the Airbnb summit out in California? Um, well, there's a there's a uh, there's a virtual summit. I'm not, not sure if you're if that's what you're referring to, or are you referring to an actual um, an actual Airbnb conference, like somewhere in a, in a city, or? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be in like San Diego. A guy named Eric Moeller was on a podcast, and he said a, he said Jasper. So as soon as he said Jasper, he was talking about Airbnb, so I thought he was talking uh, yeah. about you. Yeah, so it's a virtual summit. Okay. But, oh, cool. Yeah, so it's a, it's not actually – it's not the physical summit. Like, people aren't going to travel there. Uh-huh. Um, what he does is he uh, he has a summit, uh, a virtual summit, which is something that's become more and more popular. So it's basically you're kind of uh, – um, imitating what a real conference or a real summit would look like, but then it's online, so you get all the speakers, and you get uh, you get people to sign up, and there's like, you know, it, it, it's it's all these uh, these um, these speeches over over the course of like a couple of days, and then the people that you know they'll create like a Facebook group for so that you can have like a community and stuff. So that's that's what that's about. Oh, okay, okay, and I, I actually just seen like uh, yesterday. The uh, Airbnb meetups, like the ones uh, they don't have them in our area. That's mainly the East and West Coast. Have you been to one yet? Oh yeah, I've been to I've been to plenty uh, plenty of Airbnb meetups in the, all over the world. Uh, usually, when I travel somewhere, I, I I see if there's any Airbnb host in my own community, and uh, I'll you know I'll, I'll usually check out to see if there's any uh, any events that I can go to. So yeah, I mean it's you know it's for it's, for me it's important to meet Airbnb hosts and to talk to them to make sure I understand like what they you know what they're dealing with what the challenges are etc so yeah definitely I've also uh, I was also um, I presented a workshop at the uh, uh, Airbnb open uh, last year in uh, Los Angeles in November that was like the Airbnb's biggest event so far I think there was like five, over 5,000 Airbnb hosts wow so that was kind of cool when you um I get uh, I would think, uh, you know, traveling so much like you do, different places, different countries, um, is it hard to keep, like, a routine, you know? How to, and does, do you need a routine to, to keep your sanity, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
building a routine is definitely it's definitely difficult. Um, it's you know having a a structured life, as in you have a job and you know you live in one city, you have your social uh, network, um, and so you know typically your life is typically it's it's almost like it's being lived for you in a sense where you know you go to work, you, you go home. Um, you do, you do kind of like the, the same things every day, right? And then in the weekends, you meet up with friends, family, and birthday parties, etc. Yeah. But then suddenly when, when you leave all that behind and, and you just go to a place where nobody knows you and you don't have any commitments and you can just literally do whatever you want, it, it's all, it's all, it comes with some challenges um, because, uh, because then you, you, know, you have to make a lot more choices. <laughs> Right. Um, it's almost like you know when you let's say you want to buy some yogurt, like 50 years ago you go to the super. Now you go to the supermarket and there's like 50 different brands. There's 20 different you know, flavors. There's like low fat, low carb, low sugar. Uh, then there's like added calcium or I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy, right? And, yeah. and you're standing in front and you just look at all these and you're like. <laughs> What which ones should I buy? I, I just I don't know. I don't want to spend 20 minutes to look at all the different ones and figure out, you know, which which one I think is the best. So that you, you know, it's kind of the same thing when uh, when every day you're just thinking, okay, what should I do today? And so you're right. It it's it can be challenging. Um, what I do uh, to keep myself uh, uh, stable <laughs> is uh, well, first of all, I try to eat healthy. I, uh, I also try to uh, get do some physical, physical activity every day. I try to get out there, get some sunlight every day. And also I, uh, I do a fair amount of meditation, uh, which, which has really helped me. Uh, nice, nice. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's always good. Yeah, my wife's on a vegan kick, so I'm a vegan for now. <laughs> so know what you mean. Yeah. What um, – he's pointing at me. What – okay. And, and the what's your favorite – your favorite food? I mean, the 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 place you've been to, it you're like has the best food on the planet. Wow, that's also a very good question. I mean, I'm full of good questions. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think almost almost every almost all countries have have uh, have have good food. You know, um, it, there's there's a few, there's only a few countries where I've been where I was like, okay, the food I didn't really like the food so much. Um, place like the Philippines comes to mind. Uh, it's one of my favorite countries because the beaches are beautiful. It's it's an amazing country, amazing people, but the food is just not very imaginative. Have you tried balut? Uh, but I'd say, uh, is that the 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 egg yeah, with the MBO inside? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not a fan. Yeah, I think they, they do that in Indonesia too. I think. Yeah. It's, have you tried it? No. Yeah, I haven't tried. I couldn't do it, man. I was like, looking. I was like, this is too gross. I mean, I've tried. I've tried my. I had my fair share of uh, of creative uh, types of foods. I mean, I remember eating scorpions and and some sort of worms in fried worms and grasshoppers oh, and man. stuff in Thailand. I've I've tried uh, like chicken hearts and uh, I've tried a, a fair amount of stuff. Uh, but uh, but no, the that that embryo egg I uh, I passed. <laughs> do you um, have but, um, um do you, I'm sorry um like if you get sick do you, do you have like some kind of universal like where you go all over the world you can use in, your insurance anywhere in case you do get sick somewhere 
Yeah, actually, I had my health insurance from um, from Holland, uh-huh. and uh, it, it it covers me. Uh, it covers me in 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 uh, in other countries. I I just had to buy a small add-on, and so you know I'm uh, I'm definitely covered uh, for that. But sometimes I, I get an extra uh, uh, travel insurance. Like for example, like right now in the U.S., um, it's a good thing that you brought it up because I actually have to. I have to get one because here in the U.S. Uh, healthcare is very expensive. So yeah. my Dutch insurance only covers up to the amount that it would cost in, in Holland, and so I could still get screwed if I you know, if, if something happens here. So after we finish this podcast, uh, I'll I'll go <laughs> get get myself a, a travel travel insurance for uh, for the time that I'll be here. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so eating scorpions and stuff like that, yeah, you might want to have some good insurance, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and if, as long as it's fried, you know, they say, they say everything, you, everything is fried, you can eat because the, anything that could do harm to yourself, like it, it's, it's dead, you know, after it comes out of the frying pan. <laughs> right, right. Do you, um, I guess, I mean, do you consider yourself a minimalist? Yeah, to a certain extent, I do. I mean, I, I got rid of a lot of stuff. I literally have a carry-on and a, and a small backpack now. And that's pretty much everything I own. I have a few things back at my parents' place, but other than that, uh, I think you can you could probably put all my belongings, literally everything I own, and it will fit in you know, maybe like two suitcases. So in that sense, I, I, I am. Um, I, I've definitely learned over the years that you don't really need a lot of stuff, and a lot of things that you carry around are very replaceable. Um, so now I, I create a rule for myself: if I if I carry something around and I haven't touched it for like two weeks, I throw it out. Oh, sweet! Wow, uh, that, that's something I need to pick up. <laughs> so what was the hardest thing for you to get rid of? Well, I mean, I got rid of a lot of clothes. Uh-huh. Um, I remember, like, I had this orange shirt. That I used to wear when uh, when Holland would be playing a soccer match, and uh, and that one I was I was quite fond of, and I really liked the shirt, but at the same time I was never <laughs> you know I would never wear it, so at some point I was like okay, you know I just realized that this this piece of fabric is not actually very important for your well-being. So I think it's you can safely say goodbye to it, <laughs> you know, and uh, and and so that's what I did. But that was that was definitely like the one thing I carried around probably for a couple of years without ever ever wearing it. Sweet. So you big football fan? I, I definitely am. Uh, in Holland, uh, football or soccer? I don't know. I'm still a little confused as to whether it's football or soccer, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, it's the most popular sport, and um, yeah, pretty much every single guy uh, is into soccer, except for uh, the minority, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, Luis Suarez played in in Holland, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he played for Ajax. Ajax, Amsterdam. yeah. Because I remember when we when we flew in there, they asked me if I was his cousin or something. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. So oh, because your, your surname is Suarez. Suarez, so, okay, yeah, yeah. Sense. So they were gonna give me the royal treatment. That was before he went off uh, bite, you biting sh- you people. You should have said stuff. yes. <laughs> should have. <laughs> should have, right? 
Yeah, I actually had some Airbnb <clears throat> advice I wanted to get from you. Um, how do you handle like long-term tenants? Did you let people stay in your house long-term or did you have like a maximum stay on there? Well, I never had any long-term people in my, in my house after I started doing Airbnb and that's not because I didn't want to, but the thing is, if you, if you rent on Airbnb, uh, if you, if you rent out, then it's, you know, you set your price per night, and so if you can book it for a month, but it's going to be quite expensive. You're you're much better off if you go on like the local like Craigslist or whatever the classified ads mm-hmm. website is in in the country that you're at. You can find subleases that are much cheaper than renting an Airbnb for like one or two months. So I I was open to having people stay in my place for a month, but I I couldn't really imagine anyone wanting to pay that, that much money because I you know I wasn't really I didn't really give it like a big discount because my place was almost always fully booked so you know let's say I was making five thousand dollars a month then yeah, I'd be willing to rent it out for four thousand for for one month but at the same time if you go on if you get a sub sub lease you could probably get find something for you know maybe like twenty five hundred so it's uh you know it's kinda of unlikely that people would do that. Yeah, because I, I, I rent out two private rooms in my house, and I'm thinking maybe I got it priced too low. Maybe I should just rent out the whole upstairs for, like, a larger amount because I got a lot of people that want to book a long time. So, And sometimes it becomes a hassle because, like, sometimes they want to stay longer and they want me to block off my dates. So uh, I just kind of in a bind on how to handle that. Yeah. So what, what year did you buy your, your house in Amsterdam? And what, I mean, how old were you? What was your motivation to do so? Well, I was, this was back in 2007 when I bought it. And I mean, the reason I bought it is because renting is, is, uh, is very, is very expensive in, uh, in Holland. And I was, you know, before that I was sharing a place with, uh, with my, uh, with, with a buddy, with a colleague. And, uh, you know, with the the fact that you can uh, deduct uh, mortgage payments from from your tax your tax bill, just makes it very attractive to buy your own house. Uh, you know, my mortgage was if I would use the amount of money that I paid that my mortgage was, if I would have rented something for that amount, it would I wouldn't have been able to get uh, uh, the same quality of housing that I had. So, did you buy it like? Was it during the crash or after the crash? You got a good, really good deal on your place? Not really, actually. I, I bought it in 2007, so that was that you know that was right before the crash. Although I have to say, um, in Amsterdam, the the prices didn't really crash that much. Yeah. Especially in my neighborhood, they actually they just didn't go up for for a long time. Like I sold it now in in 2017, so I held it for 10 years, and the price went up. By about thirty thirty percent in those ten years. Nice. But that thirty that thirty percent, you know, that thirty percent was mostly realized in the last couple of years. So, like in two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen, I think the price was still about around the same as in two thousand seven. Yeah, it's been going crazy right now, real estate. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. So you said you sold your house, and then you're still just buying properties, like the over in like. Holland, I don't know how it works in Amsterdam. Amsterdam, do you guys pay like capital gains taxes, or you guys have like 10, 1031 exchanges, things like that? 
No, we don't pay uh, capital gains tax. Um, at least I didn't. <laughs> okay, I need to invest so, over there. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see if uh, if they come after me, but. Uh, um, we could edit this part. No, out. I, 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 I don't think I don't think you you have to. <laughs> yeah. I hope money. the Dutch tax authorities aren't listening to this podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> really? So how? Okay. So you were already kind of semi-adventurous, but I mean, how has Airbnb just like like changed your life altogether? Like the way you see things and do things. Well, I mean, Airbnb has changed my life, absolutely, because. You know, when I started Airbnb, it is, I was about two years into my a journey after I quit my job, and I tried to make money using all sorts of strategies, and you know, some of them worked for a bit, some of them didn't work at all, and, but I hadn't really found something that I, I was passionate about that I could see myself doing for a long time, and so then came Airbnb, and suddenly I'm making $5,000 a month in my apartment, and now... I'm making suddenly I'm making enough money to you know not having to go back to the corporate world. And then on top of that, after I wrote my book and I started my podcast and you know now I'm making I'm making money with my business advising people how to do Airbnb. So you know if it wasn't for Airbnb, who knows? Maybe maybe I would have had to go back to a corporate job at some point. Wow. You could go work for Airbnb, I guess. <laughs> Right now, yeah, I probably could. What's the name of your book, by the way? It's called Get Paid for Your Pad. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> How'd you come up with that name? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's actually, I I worked together with with a, a friend of mine, actually, who, uh, who who's a publisher. Well, he's a publisher now. He wasn't really a publisher back in the day. But uh, he he had written a book, and so I asked him, you know, if he wanted to take a cut uh, in the profits and help us uh, publish the book. And so he uh, he agreed, and now uh, and it was it was a big success. And he's now built a whole business around the book publishing. So he's published about forty books or so now. Um, so that was uh, that was kind of cool. So it was kind of like it kicked off a business for him. And it, uh, it it also he was the one that came up with the title actually. Uh, oh, we nice. were we were thinking about calling it something like get paid. You know, you get paid for your house. I think we first, and then he came up with get paid for your pad with the alliteration. I actually didn't know that pad meant house in English. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Flying. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, credit goes to him. So um, and and who's singing that song? Who wrote that song? Get paid for your oh. pad. So okay, so all right, so let me give the full credits then. So the the it was uh, Jesse Krieger, uh, uh, you can find him at jessekrieger.com. He uh, he came up with the name, and then Josefa, my uh, my good friend, who is, who is also the co-author of my book, um, he actually uh, he came up with the song for the podcast. So I know I know the song is very sticky. Uh, because yeah. uh, uh, because uh, you know even I, according to I, uh, Brian Chesky once told me that the, even the Airbnb employees were singing it in the hallways at the Airbnb <laughs> office. Wow, man! Uh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, my buddy who's Zefa Caparia, who, uh, who also runs like a pretty cool online business called Scalar Learning, he teaches 
people how to uh, how to do math in a in a very fun way with videos and stuff. So he's uh, he's 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 doing great. But uh, yeah, he uh, he he sang the song. He's very mute. So is there like a, is there like a full version of the song with like full lyrics, or is it just that same thing over and over <laughs> again? No, it's just that same thing over and over again. Because I think so, like you put a rapper to freestyle over it, you know, and talk about your you and your business. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would that would be cool for sure. All right, we'll do it and we'll send it to you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So where do you see this? Um, I mean, there's Airbnb, but there's I mean, there's Uber, Lyft, all there's uh, Uber Jet, like you like you took that one time. Where do you see this um, share economy going and and evolving? I guess. Well, I think eventually the sharing economy is gonna it's gonna be a pretty significant percentage of the economy. But I think it's a it just takes a long time. It takes a long time because it's it's almost like a revolution. You can, I think you can almost compare it to the industrial revolution. And so, you know, people, to get people to change is always, is always difficult, all right? To get people to, to think differently is, is, dif- is difficult. And so it's just going to take a lot of time. It's probably going to take like a generation uh, or, or maybe two generations for, before every, for, for everybody really adopts the, the sharing economy, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, generation. Do you see anything like? Is anything popped in your head, and and you were like, oh wow, that's going to be part of the share economy? I don't know. People are going to share a hamburger or something. I don't. I'm just think, thinking how. <laughs> um, well, there's. I mean, there's already like a, a a ton of really awesome platforms out there. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds, but most of them are very, very, very small because people are just very slow. To- to adopt but um i actually had my own little sharing economy idea and i still think one day it will be there but um my idea was you know i i've been um taking a lot of like surf lessons and kite surf lessons and you know all different different uh, scuba diving and one thing i always noticed was that it's kind of difficult to find like a good teacher through like the the local schools because a lot of time the people that teach in the local surf schools and scuba diving schools, etc., they're usually people who they do they teach because they they want to do it themselves, right? So, you know, you go to like the, somewhere in Brazil and you, you take some surf lessons, and there's there's a couple of guys there that basically surfing all day, and then in order to sustain that lifestyle, they'll they'll do a couple of surf lessons. But I've always felt that it was such a hit and miss in terms of the experience. Like some of the guys that have taught me. They were literally just holding my board and pushing me. And then, you know, if I stand up, they go, hey, good job, man. You know, and <laughs> I just felt like I just felt like they were their heart wasn't into it. Whereas sometimes I had surf teachers who were really, fuck, really good. You know, they, they I could tell, OK, this guy's, you know, what really he want me to learn. And he's doing his he's doing the best he can to, to help me learn. And it makes sense what he's doing. It's not just. You know, he's not just pushing my board. He's actually like, okay, let's do these exercises. Okay, you need a little, you need to adjust a little bit here. Let's do this exercise first. Yeah, and so my idea was, what if you have a an app where you can go in your app and you can see different profiles of different like surf instructors and scuba dive instructors or whatever the sport might be, and then you can see reviews of of the people that have already taken lessons with them, and then uh, and then you can decide 
based on that, you can decide who who you want to be taught by, and that way you also cut out like the you know the, the schools who take a pretty big cut because you you know the surf lessons are pretty expensive, but the, the surf teacher actually makes very little, so you know there's a big cut that goes out of it. Wow, I think I think Airbnb already stole your idea. You know the the Airbnb experiences. Yeah, 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 yeah. The experiences, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that's kind. Of, is that kind of the same thing a little bit? I haven't been to one. I'm just kind of seeing uh, them pop up. I guess it's more like what you know. What I was thinking about was really focused on like sort of the sports. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's the same as skiing, for example. I don't know if you have, have, have you ever taken like ski lessons or snowboard lessons. No. You well, yeah. I'm from the northwest. I mean, you go, you go, it's so expensive and. Yeah. You, know, you have to go through the school because the schools they they kind of like have the monopoly on on instructing right uh-huh. whereas you know, i'm a i'm a i'm a pretty active skier myself i i learned it when i was like 4 years old and so i i always felt i always felt you know what like if somebody wants to take some lessons i'm i love teaching i'm more than happy to teach a few hours a day and and, and you know i'm really like uh really be passionate about it and i don't need to make more than like 20 bucks an hour but if you if you go to the ski schools, like they'll charge like a hundred dollars an hour, you know, and then it's not one on one; it's like often like in groups. So hmm. I just think that there's I just think that there's a there's like a, a mismatch. Um, if at any given point, if you let let's say you go to a ski resort and you look at the the most passionate passionate teachers that are out there, like those people might actually not be teaching just because you know they don't want to do it full time, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah. I think if you can match the people who who want to who want to learn and the people who are willing to teach a few hours and who are actually like really good teachers and passionate about it, I think that will be if you have a platform that matches those people, that will be that would be pretty awesome. But it's at the same time it's a, it's also an extremely complicated and large project to take on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know. So uh, so I, I I ended up deciding to just focus on my Airbnb business and. and and uh, and not jumping in this uh, in in this in like a startup thing where I would have to commit for like five years and you know give it a hundred ten percent, invest a lot of money and then you know there's a pretty good chance that it's not gonna I'm not gonna be able to get off the ground, so uh, I decided not to do that but to just focus on my uh, on my Airbnb business. Laser focus. Did did That's um, it. what was I gonna say? Oh. When you when you mentioned the whole you know finding the a surf instructor and they're being rated you know with kind of like we rate Airbnbs and Airbnb people rate you know guests or whatever, I, it got me thinking. I don't know if you ever seen that sh- a show called Black Mirror. I have seen one episode. Okay, because the episodes are all different, no? They're all different, and they're all dealing with it's kind of like the Twilight Zone, but dealing with technology. How like it's a huge part of our lives now. And there was one futuristic episode was where that everybody was was rated like was on a rating rated system, you know, and I, I guess I could kind of see that in the future. I mean, it, it would go like, it, oh, I'm not going to invite her to my wedding. I'm not going to invite him to this because he only has three stars. People have rated him low. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's but I mean, it sounds all futuristic and stuff. But I mean, even with like Facebook and, and all these things, but. And, and then we're rating, you know, we get rated as guests and they get rated as hosts and Uber, Uber people get rated, everybody. It, I could, could you see it getting to that point one in the future? Everybody has like these stars hovering above our heads that everybody can see and they can like judge us by these, <laughs> by these things. 
it's an interesting thought. I think the next, I think the next uh, uh, sort of uh, niche where the re where people might get reviewed is the is the date is dating apps. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man! Wow. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, but but the, I only the only different the only problem I see there is that you know when Airbnb first came out with the reviews, you could leave a review, but you could also wait for the other person to leave a review first. And then read that person's review, and then base your review of that, right? So you would right. like kind of like re retaliate if somebody leaves you a bad review, then you would leave th them a bad review too, right? And so Airbnb has changed that system where now you can't see the other person's review, right? Yeah. And so I think when you when you implement the system in in dating ads, let's let's say for example Tinder, take Tinder, right? Let's say you go on a Tinder date, and so you meet the other person. And then, you know, you Tinder asks you for a review, like, how was the date? Um, and so I, I guess they could implement a similar system where you can't see the other person's review. But at the same time, let's say that, let's say you have a week and that person, like, doesn't, like, you know, message you back or something because that person is just not interested. <laughs> Uh, and, and and maybe maybe then you're going to think, like, oh, you know what, like, I'm not going to give them a, a good review because uh, because this person that doesn't seem to be very interested in me, um, whereas the experience might have been really good. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know if they'll be able to make it work where it's actually, where actually the, the ratings will actually reflect, uh, you know, like a, a, the, the experience, right? Because it's, I think it's, it would be interesting because, you know, like, uh, if uh, like if so, let's say like you set up a date with somebody and the person doesn't show up, then if that would affect their rating, then uh, then people you know wouldn't be as flaky, right? And so right. which is good because then like you don't know, waste your time. Um, so I I think it's it's I, I don't know exactly uh. how you know how it would look like, but I feel like that's the sort of the the next step in I terms of like reviewing. I just want to say I'm glad that that wasn't around when I was doing the dating sites because <laughs> I might not have ever gotten married. Well, um, I, I could have been a nomad too then. I would screw it. I'm just going to travel the world. Yeah, man. Tinder's <laughs> changed lives. You had that same situation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I, uh, I, 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 like what you were talking about with Airbnb and the rating thing, I kind of do the same thing. Like I kind of, uh, like I kind of bait people into leaving a review or not leaving a review. Like, I ask them, hey, did you enjoy your stay? If they don't respond, then I don't plan on leaving them a review until they leave me one. But if they say, hey, the stay was great, I'm like, oh, go ahead and leave me a review, you know? So I know what you, I know what you mean by that review <laughs> thing. Cause, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and, and the B&B part, you never really did that back in, your, um, in, Amst in Amsterdam or your other places. You never did the bed and breakfast thing. You just did the, you know, they just stayed there. Yeah, I was always remote hosting. Yeah. Oh, okay, because um, <laughs> Micah was telling me a funny story about a guy that was there was a lady hosting him, and she I guess she advertised it as she made breakfast or whatever. But she was every time she did it, she was pissed off. She didn't want to do it. And oh just yeah, like, Here's yeah, your breakfast, yeah. damn it! You know. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, yeah, one of those. But so yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, the lady was uh, kind of pissed off whenever she was supposed to make breakfast. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a good experience. <laughs> Man, so. so Las Vegas, how long are you going to be there for? I'll be here for a month, actually. 
Oh, wow. wow. What you got yeah. going on over there? Um, I'm coaching on a lifestyle program. So it's a it's like a non-profit program that's run here in, in Vegas, and they uh, they get a bunch of students, and then uh, they get the coaches from all different types of uh, backgrounds, like business, uh, fitness, lifestyle, and then we all get together and you know teach each other how to have a more awesome life. Sweet man, huh. and and on the travel thing, you have global entry, right? Or you you just skip all the lines and stuff. Well, I. I looked into the global entry thing a while ago, but you have to like show up at the airport, I think, to make an appointment. And uh, for some reason, like I couldn't make it work. Yeah. But then uh, this time, I it was pretty smooth because I I flew in with uh, with JetSmarter, like the the new sharing economy app for for private jets. That I decided to reward myself and give myself a one year subscription to it. Nice. Uh, so I actually flew in with a, with a private jet, and the, and then the the whole immigration process is uh, is pretty easy. It's basically like uh, it's like, are you here for pleasure or business? I'm here for pleasure. Okay, great. Here's your stamp and have a good stay. <laughs> wow. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> Makes instead it a whole of, lot easier. Uh, yeah. Instead of uh, all right, where are you? How long are you staying? Where are you gonna be? Well, you know, why you're here? What's your job? Where do you live? Uh, what's the last five countries you visited? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like I was thinking and, that would be uh, rough on you, right? I mean, yeah, I've I've had a hard hard time sometimes. Not so much the U.S., but Canada has always been really difficult for me to get in. Uh, I think they always like they look at my passport, they see all the stamps, then they see them from Amsterdam, and then they're, you know, their the conclusion is probably this is, this guy's a drug dealer, uh, and so they always like pick me and uh, and I always have to go through secondary screening and you know, kind of pain in the ass. But the U.S., I've only I've only ever once been picked out, actually, and that was because I got a tourist visa. Like, normally you can travel on uh, without a visa if you're European, yeah. and uh, it's called it's called ESTA. And this time I, I actually got a tourist visa because I was thinking about, you know, instead of staying three months, I was thinking about staying, like, six months. And so that was, uh, apparently the immigration officer thought that was a little strange, and then He's, he uh, he took me uh, to a room and asked me all these questions, and so because he was he's basically saying like why did you get the visa? I mean you, you can come here for three months without a visa. Well, why why go through the hassle? Huh. So but after I explained to him I was like yeah I just want to like travel a little bit more, um, and then he was like all right, okay, uh, fun. Oh that's weird. Uh, that's kind of crazy. You said you you haven't had trouble in the US cuz I know there's like been a bunch of travel bans and stuff like that. So like in the last couple months you've still just been easy to get in and out of the country of the US. Yeah, well, I mean like well like I said I I flew into a private jet terminal uh, this time and so that wasn't the that was the smoothest entry I've ever had. Um but um but I think uh recently in the, the US has never really been a problem for me. It's never been an issue. Um, I think now they even with ESTA, they just scan your passport. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they, the U.S. Uh, I don't for us Europeans at least it's 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 uh it's not really a big deal uh, until until you apply for a visa and then if they deny it, then you really have a problem. Oh jeez. Have you ever been to any African nations? No, I, I've actually never been to Africa. No. Are there any on your radar that you'd like to visit? I was thinking about going to South Africa for New Year's, 
but then uh, I looked at the Airbnbs there, and uh, New Year's is kind of a crazy peak uh, time in South Africa, or in Cape Town at least. So uh, I might have to postpone that a bit and go in February, March or something when it's not as expensive. Oh, okay. Wow, so it's really growing. Okay, I didn't know it was in South Africa that big yet. Okay. Yeah, because summer there, in uh, December, January, that's, um, that's summertime for them. And so a lot of uh, a lot of South Africans who live abroad, they they come home during that during that time. And then, I mean, I looked on Airbnb, and I mean we're like six months out, and there's only like 10% of the of the Airbnb listings that were available for my dates. Oh wow! Wow, they need to invest in South Africa. So do you um, do you have like a number of units in mind that you want to own around the globe, or do you want to? more focus on your business like going towards the, in the future no, I just want to I just want to get free places so that I can kind of travel from you know and, and stay in my own houses um, I mean I don't I only have money for free so uh, unless uh, you know my business goes to the next level then uh, maybe I can afford a four fund but <laughs> right right we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to see that's cool yeah. man well it's <laughs> It's a great podcast, I think. What do you yeah, think? man. A great interview coming up on our hour. So yeah, man. We, we're so appreciative of you coming on our show, man. We're like, it's it's it it chips us out to to be talking to the voice that we've been listening to so long. And um, <laughs> man, it's just yeah, we're just we're just fanboys over here. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate the support, guys. <laughs> yeah, and so um, yeah, you can find Jasper uh, at his podcast. Get paid for your pad. I guess yeah. get paid for your pad dot com and um, get his book. Yeah, it's really get paid good. for your pad. Awesome. I'm definitely purchasing one. I didn't know he had a book, so I'm getting it. <laughs> awesome, dude. All right, All right man. man. Well, it was great talking to you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, th- thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you, and good luck with the podcast. All right, All right. thanks. Thank you, man. All right, bye. Bye, bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.